Owen Gleiberman of Entertainment Weekly calls this movie a thrillingly effective crowd pleaser. Richard Schickel of Time Magazine calls it an extraordinarily well-made movie which wastes no words or images in telling a conventional but compelling story. And Amazon user Mama Mena said, I don't recall buying this and then gave it one star. On this episode of Ruined Childhoods, we decide the fate of a few good men. Which one will it be? Greetings, Starfighters. Welcome to the final installment of Tom Cruise Month on Rune Childhoods. Hey, John, how you doing? I am doing great. I've been having a wonderful Tom Cruise Month. Uh, I've been sliding across floors wearing my <laughs> socks and my skivvies. Uh, I've been uh, having... I, I realigned my teeth for the month so that they're slightly off. Um I read Dianetics. <laughs> well, you you joined Scientology briefly. Um, I joined you, the Church of Scientology just because I'm like it is Tom Cruise month. I'm going all in, baby. I jumped on a couch. Um, it's been it's been really exciting. Um, no, I I, I, I mean, married Katie Holmes to mask my homosexuality. I mean, what? It's Tom Cruise month. Yay! Yeah. Uh, and Dan, you did your own stunts, and that's the most impressive one of all. I do my own stunts. Every time I will jump off of anything. I don't care if they can put me on the moon and let me jump off the moon and land on the bad guy's plane. I will do it. I'm I'm going to let everybody know. Tom Cruise, not Dan. I, I'm going to let everybody know with all sincerity uh, and in all honesty, I definitely do my own stunts. I don't have anybody else <laughs> falling on my ass. <laughs> I do it myself. I, yeah. You know what? In honor of Tom Cruise. Um, yeah. So, Dan, I am so happy to be talking about A Few Good Men with you this on this episode. I was, I was yeah. like, this night? No. What if people are listening in the morning? This week? What if we miss next? I don't know. Anyway. At this time, at this time, I'm, 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 I mean, you know I'm looking forward to talking about it. Yes. So uh, if anybody is new to this show or uh, hasn't been listening uh, the past several episodes, Dan is actually about to um, present to the world. Uh, what's that? Two weeks. Two, Two weeks. weeks. We're, the, from the night we're recording this. So it, the play opens November 7th. Yeah, they're doing um, A Few Good Men at an unnamed Seattle high school that you can easily Google. I'm pretty sure we're the only one doing a few good men for the for the fall play. So, I mean, I um I, I haven't looked. So I don't yeah. I don't really have anything to uh, talk about before a few good men. Um, I think that there was something I, that came up about a remake, but I whatever. We don't have to go into that. I I saw the new Star Wars trailer. Oh, what you think? The final for right. Well, you know, it's as I think that this Star Wars movies have all got excellent trailers that is true like they all have excellent attack of the clones has a fantastic trailer 
Um, it looks pretty. So, but it looks it looks like a gorgeous movie. It does look yes. That was my initial like visually. This is going to be amazing. I'm looking forward to seeing it. I'm 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 considering. I know that the Cinerama in Seattle will be playing oh, it, yeah. and that is a humongous screen. So I'm uh, I'm thinking about checking it out there. But you know, it's the end of now. What they're calling it, the Skywalker Saga, right? So. Um, you know, making room for the the Star Wars universe that is just going to like explode upon Disney Plus. Yeah, and I, I mean, people seem to be really excited about the was it the Mandalorian. Is that what it's called? The Mandalorian. Yeah, yeah. yeah John Favreau. Yeah, I mean, I'll watch it. Um, now knowing that uh, mm-hmm. I apparently get Disney Plus free for a year with my phone plan. Oh, all right. Verizon Unlimited plans get it for free for a year. So, no kidding. Oh, I'll have to look into that. Okay, there we go. So, we're not sponsored, folks. This is legit. Yeah. So, I I figured, you know what? May as well. Plus, my kid has been really into the song Hakuna Matata lately. I don't know where she heard it, but she did. (laughs) And she's really into it. Probably at school. Yeah. Or probably at, you know, daycare. Yeah. Some kid. Set, started singing it. I don't think that they really listen to music there, but uh, oh no, uh, not you in, know. There's there's this, her current classroom. There, well, you know, it's just like in her class. There's these two new kids. One is this kind of like you know skinny, funny little meerkatish type, and the other is kind of this bigger kind of you know not as quick warthog type. And they just started singing the song. Tons of farting. About it being their problem. Hey, John, not in front of the kids. Uh, I re- okay, so listening to Hakuna Matata, just to take a quick detour away from a few good men, uh, it's been a while since I've listened to Hakuna Matata, and when that moment comes up when he is about to say farted, and mm-hmm. Timon is, says not in front of the kids, and then they like kind of give a look, it made me realize, like, I don't think that I ever realized as a kid that that's what was going on, that that's what they were going to say. And because I never realized that that was a thing that kids shouldn't hear, the word fart? <laughs> well, in our house. <laughs> well, I mean, hello. But still, I mean, <laughs> and in the... um. What did you think it was? I, I never even thought of, I never even thought about it. It was just like, oh, that's whatever. But uh, in the new version, I haven't seen the movie, but I've heard the song with Billy Eichner and Seth Rogen and Donald yeah. Glover. It's uh, he says it, and then they like kind of make a comment about how they said it. Yeah, yeah. I I heard. I listened to it. I haven't seen the. Uh, I haven't seen it yet. But I, I listened to it, and I was a little caught off guard by that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, anyway, we're here to talk about A Few Good Men. A Few Good Men. So, yeah, the 1992 film directed by Rob Reiner with a screenplay written by Aaron Sorkin, who based it on his play, which hit Broadway in November, actually, right, like, I think November 15th, 1989. Oh, okay. Was, so, you know, right now years they would have been in previews. So, um, so, um, and, and this is a, this is based on a real event. 
that happened. It is. Which it is. I uh, I was thinking about. So, uh, Dan, you haven't heard this yet, but in the introduction uh, to this episode, you know, we we have reviews from uh, some elite critics, but I also peppered in a um, an Amazon review from a user named Mama Mena, and uh, it was a one star review saying, "I don't recall buying this item." And I, that, I don't know, you know, and I was looking through some of the other one star reviews and one of them was like rail, like going on and on and on about how unbelievable this story is and like how this could never happen. And it's like, uh, it did happen. What qualifications did this person have to say these things? They watched the movie. Oh, that's it. They have this an wasn't Amazon like, account. I'm a re- I'm a retired colonel, and <laughs> this would have n- this type of thing. Yeah, no, and 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 I mean, as as we get into our discussion, I will, um, you know, part of what I have to discuss is how my production, how um, you know, kind of the steps that we're taking to be accurate and believable. You know, to the extent that a, a high school production can be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk about that now or do you want to get into that after we? Well, let's I think we first let's kind of introduce the film and talk about, you know, the the plot yeah. and the, well, the performances. I mean, this movie was nominated for a ton of Academy Awards. Right. Um, um, I don't know if it won. I don't any. think it won any. Uh, no, I think it was nominated for, for a lot and did not win. Yeah. Which. I mean, watching it now, and I believe I've seen it when I was much younger, but I, you know, couldn't take my eyes off of it. It was really engaging uh, for, a, for a movie that's nearly 30 years old. It's like, you know, I I easily slipped into it. I, I feel like a lot of movies that, I don't know, from around that time that are over two hours long that are a subject matter that isn't typically my go-to. So, like, you know, legal uh, dramas, which this, uh-huh. I think, it, it's it's drama, but it's, you know, it's got it's an energy to it. It's a military legal drama. Yeah. It's, well, yeah, I mean, it's military, and it's about this whole separate world. That, yeah. you know, it especially, so I guess, all right, um, no time like the present for this, but I remember when and where I saw it. Please go on. I'm pretty sure I saw it opening weekend at the Westfield Rialto. Mm-hmm. Rest in peace. The recently shuttered Rialto. And um, I remember leaving that movie. I never had better posture than when I walked out of that movie. Huh. Because after watching that movie, you are just like, oh my, like, I want to be that, you know, I just, I left that movie kind of wanting to be more like those Marines. I mean, it did not last long, but, you know. (laughs) Well, I mean, rather than wanting to be an attorney, you decided to be an actor. Well, that's true. I definitely wanted to, to, I, I definitely, I wanted to be in that movie. And I mean, actually, so I'm 10 and a half years ago, I was in the play. Oh, were you? I didn't back know in that. my acting days. Yeah. Which, so, which um, character were you? Who do you think I was? Okay. Were you one of the main characters? Yeah. Were you Sam Weinberg? 
Yes. <laughs> of course I was. <laughs> so, okay. I have no responsibilities here whatsoever. <laughs> uh, I'm in charge of socks and underwear. So um, Sam Weinberg in the movie is played by Kevin Pollack, who's great. He's fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, just to briefly run down the cast, you know, Tom Cruise plays uh, Kathy. I think it's yep, Dan, Lieutenant, uh, Daniel, Caffey. Daniel Caffey. Lieutenant junior grade Daniel Caffey. Uh, Jack Nicholson, uh, who is in Witches of Eastwick with Susan Sarandon, plays Colonel Jessup, famously. Uh, Susan Sarandon of Lorenzo's Oil. The one and only. Um, and uh, Demi Moore plays Joe, who is the... Uh, I I don't know the well, lieutenant colonel. I've, I've, lieutenant commander. Lieutenant commander who uh, has this case come in. We'll go into the plot and we'll explain that in a little bit. Um, yeah. Kevin Bacon plays Jack, who is the prosecutor. Uh, yes. Now, Kevin... He's a Marine. He's a Marine, correct. And uh, Kevin Bacon and Susan Sarandon of, of Lorenzo's Oil uh, were in a movie called Mountain High that is fictional. But it is in the show Seinfeld, in the episode where uh, Kramer has the number one off from Movie Phone. One of the fictional movies from Seinfeld <laughs> stars Kevin Bacon and Susan Sarandon, and it's called Mountain High. Oh, wow. <laughs> Jeez. I mean, man, you're going to the deep track. Uh, Kiefer Sutherland plays uh, Kendrick, and... Uh, then we've got uh, Donnie and Dawson. I don't remember. Downey and Dawson. Downey. And I, Downey and Dawson. And I don't remember which da- is which, yeah. but one of them is James from Twin Peaks. And the other one is just a guy. That Dawson. He's Dawson. And Downey was played by just a guy who was like on the crew. He was a, lo- he was a location scout. Yeah. And um, yeah. Yeah. And Rob he's Reiner great. was like, you look like a Marine and just put him in the movie. Yeah. And Wolfgang Bodison. And he's awesome. Props to Wolfgang Bodison. Yeah, he's fa- he did no. A few he wasn't the prop master. This. He was uh, location scout. Nope. Okay. Um, so you said props to him. Any- oh my Anyways, wow. okay. I'm sorry. I like. <laughs> I'm pulling long days here. Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah. So anyway. Oh, uh, so Kiefer Sutherland. Back to Kiefer Sutherland. Sorry, he plays uh, Lieutenant Kendrick, who is the. He's in charge of like one half of the Guantanamo Bay Naval Base. He's right. in charge of the windward side, which is where Dawson and and Downey are both stationed. And so. uh, I don't re- I don't remember the actor's name, but the another character of note is Santiago. Uh, Santiago is the core yep, of the Santiago. movie. William Santiago. Uh, yeah, William Santiago, who uh, has requested has been having a lot of issues. Uh, at Guantanamo Bay with his um, with his unit and has been mm-hmm. requesting a transfer out of Guantanamo Bay and ultimately sends a letter requesting for transfer uh, threatening to uh, expose a fence shooting. Is that what it's called? Fence line shooting. Fence yeah. line shooting. Uh, somebody in his unit. Uh, Dawson. Dawson. Well, we'll find out later is Dawson. It's not a spoiler. Yeah. Yeah. But it's we don't know that until a little yeah. bit. But anyway, uh, he fires around into the air by the fence line, which is, you know, the other side of it is just Cuba and people who are just kind of like allegedly looking for a reason to, uh, you know, start something. So um, that has 
kind of sparked this whole thing that uh, involves Colonel Jessup, who, um, as we see, instructs uh, Kendrick, Kiefer Sutherland's character, to uh, work him harder and make sure that he gets, you know, higher marks. Wink. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what ends up yeah, happening? Not, what ends up happening is uh, Downey and Dawson come into Santiago's uh, room. They uh, bound and gag him. That and it ultimately results in his death. And uh, that's what's what really sparks all of this uh, this movie. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and, and you're just kind of watching me try to retell the story, even though I know that you know it like, like the back of your hand. Well, John, yeah, and that's why I know that if if you like, when you're ready for me to jump in, you'll let All me right, know. All right, sounds good. So I'll just keep on going. So uh, yeah. Joe, Demi Moore's character, the lieutenant commander, is that what it is? Yeah, she's from the uh, Judge Advocate General, the JAG, JAG, JAG Corps. Yeah, yeah. If you're familiar with the show JAG. Then you know what Joe's Mark job. Harmon. Mark Harmon, summer school. Anyway, uh, so Joe is the one who uh, brings this to the, um, I guess, the legal counsel for the military. And uh, Kathy is assigned to the case. And Kathy is known for, I don't know, being like a bit of a slacker, but he's really good at uh, negotiating plea deals. So... He's brought in essentially to just like make this go away. And uh, Sam Weinberg, Kevin Pollack, is is the more responsible attorney who is kind of there to babysit him, you know, make sure he stays on on task. Uh, And the two of them, I mean, Kevin Pollack and Tom Cruise, I think, have really great working chemistry in the movie. Uh, Oh, I agree. Yeah. uh, It allegedly was supposed to be Jason Alexander. Uh, talk yeah. about Seinfeld, um, but I feel boom, boom, boom. <laughs> well. That's because no, he, that was why Seinfeld yeah. is the reason because Sein, they weren't expecting that Seinfeld was going to get renewed, and then it did. And Kevin Pollock is great. Yeah, I, I, I always enjoy Kevin Pollock. So uh, yes, yeah. yeah, so Joe and Kathy and Sam are kind of working on this case to try to clear the names of Downey and Dawson, um, even though yes, they did. Uh, bound and gag Santiago, but alleged, they're claiming that it was done on the orders of a code red by Kendrick, Kiefer Sutherland's character. Mm-hmm. And yep. uh, Dan, why don't you explain a code red? Because that's gonna that's an important factor in this, and I don't want to screw it <laughs> yes. up. Yes. So a code red code red is not an official term but what it what it is is it represents a disciplinary action that's carried out by fellow members of your squad that's meant to um you know if if a cadet you know falls back on runs drops their weapon um you know makes the squad look bad in general then um you know, they get a code red, like one of the characters, uh, Corporal Howard, who's played by Noah Wiley. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, he says he talks about how he got a code red once because um, th- his palms were sweaty and-, and knees weak, arms are heavy. Sorry. Um, I was just listening to some Eminem earlier. Uh, so 
he drops his weapon because, you know, it's it's really hot because they're in Cuba. And he then he goes to. Um, so then his his like they kind of they hold him down and they pour glue all over his hands. And but then, as he says, they take him to, they t- then they take him out for a beer. Right. So that's like that's his code red. And he's like, I've never dropped my weapon since then. So. Yeah. It's like, you know, as this guy testifies, you know, Code Red's work. And right. that's, um, Jessup says that uh, at one point, you know, in not, you know, in just describing kind of the practice of Code Red's and kind of saying like, look, I'm not going to publicly condone it, but it's an effective method of training. Yes. And as we all know, Guantanamo Bay is is known for effective methods, and being by the book, of course. Oh, well, I was referring to all the torture that famously... Yeah, yeah. so so was I. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, uh, and Code Red is also a flavor of Mountain Dew. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, so they're claiming... That was actually a concern. I was actually concerned at one point that because I'm doing this as like a high school production that high school kids are seeing, if that is going to like lead to some confusion... <laughs> Well, you could have changed. We're, you could have changed the uh, the name of it to like "Who ordered the Arctic Chill," and then you'd be like, "Damn it!" I'm just assuming that's who the ordered name. the Powerade Zero. <laughs> that would be Dad. Um, yeah, <laughs> my drink. <laughs> oh yes, none of you understand. Bring me that. my drink. Uh, so eh, whatever. So right. Yeah. Uh, so there's, that's what a code red yes, is, and. Uh, the ultimate ruling about the death is that it was a poisoning uh, carried out by Downey and Dawson. The rag that they put in his mouth, the claim is that mm-hmm. there was a poison on it. Um, that is substantiated by the doctor, played by Christopher Guest. Uh, yeah. Um, gotta love a, a Christopher Guest-Rob Reiner collab. I really, you know, it's, and it wasn't until I was, you know, kind of really focusing on um, this film, more when I was casting, I was casting the play and I was, anyway, I, it, it hadn't occurred to me until then that I was like, oh, Christopher Guest and Rob, because I think, didn't Rob Reiner, like, produ- maybe produce Waiting for Guffman? Oh, I don't know. Or, yeah, I don't know. I, anyway, yeah, I thought it was interesting, you know, the whole uh, you know, Spinal Tap Princess Bride, yeah. and and so we've the, done. The, now we've got two out of the three. Right. Yeah, I don't know if we'll ever yeah. come near Spinal Tap. There, there, no, no. Just out of respect, it's 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 sacred. Yeah, it's sacred. But that's but so, that's what yes. we that's what we do so, this podcast for. What is sacred? That's true. Anyway, getting back to the Code Red. Um, sure. The Code Red is not intended to kill Santiago. Right. But the but it is ruled as a poisoning. So now it it is showing that Dawson... Basically, the story that they're going with was that Dawson and Downey just took it too far. That's, that's like kind of the official, you right. know, Jessup's word on it. Anyway, I'm sorry. We're not getting into plot yeah, yet, are we? We're gonna, this, here's where I'm going to put in a... <laughs> A very Seinfeldian yada yada yada, and uh, say that film is about thirty years old. You've had plenty of time to see it. What's up? Oh wait, we are. I'm sorry, John. We're we're neglecting to mention a fantastic actor in the movie, J.T. Walsh, playing um, uh, 
Captain Matthew A. Markinson, who is oh, yeah. Jessup's kind of Jessup's right hand man, but also really the the one with the moral backbone. I knew you were going to say moral backbone. Well, because that's really the accurate. I yeah. mean, that's like you know how you would describe. How else would you describe that character? Yeah, moral um, backbone. I mean, that's all that you know. That's all I'm going to say for right now about that character. But J.T. Walsh is excellent. He's got like his. He has a great chemistry with Nicholson and Sutherland. I thought you were going to say he has a great chemistry with Nick Nolte and then go into a Lorenzo's oil link. <laughs> John, I, I'm so sorry. I, you, like, I, you take the Lorenzo's oil championship for the week because I am just like, I, you know what? I, I took it last time and you, def- you definitely I just did. have had no time. Like, un- like, all I got right now is Tropic Thunder and that's like, you know, the old fallback. Hey, it works. So... I mean, or yeah, Tom Cruise to Margot Martindale in The Firm or Days of Thunder. <laughs> so, but Margot Martindale's not in this no, movie. So, no. um, so right. any, anyway, anyway. Um, you you were just talking about Walsh. You just so, wanted yeah, to so, mention. I mean, J.T. Walsh. He well, yeah, because um, he's a great character actor who passed away. Like I want to say ninety seven, ninety eight. Oh, really. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, like yeah, heart disease. Um, but he's one of those guys who like if you've I mean, if you've seen movies from the 80s or 9 especially the 90s, like you've seen he's one everything of, from like the Miracle on 34th Street remake, he's, he's in He's just that. one of those oh that guy kind of people. Yeah, but he's really good. He's I really good. like him. Yeah, and uh yes. yeah, so he is in the meeting that you see between Jessup and Kendrick, where he tells him, you know, to push Santiago harder or whatever at the beginning. And then he comes in later. Uh, he essentially comes to, um, to Kathy to tell him a little bit, you know, give him information that can really, he's essentially saying to put Jessup on the stand. And, uh, yeah, he's, he, he gives Kathy, it's, it's inadmissible evidence, but it's evidence that, yeah. And like John said, you've, you've had time to watch it. Um, he put Kathy on, you know, he, he, he wants Kathy to put Jessup on the stand and basically says like, no, Jessup told Kendrick to order the code red. Like, yeah. So basically, so, so, which means it's Jessup ordered the, the code red, um, but but Jessup is saying like you know no there wasn't a code red and Santiago was going to be transferred and like he was supposed to be transferred the next morning yeah no it's which one point that gone sorry one one point they never really bring up I mean because they they do you know the, the the lawyers do their jobs but one point they they never really bring up is like if he was going to be transferred. Wouldn't the his squad leader know about it? And then why would his squad leader give him a code red if he was going to be on a plane at six a.m.? Well, you can deal with that in your high school it's the production. Alternate... No, I'm just going to totally rewrite it. <laughs> Take that, Sorkin. I mean... So, look, he's a hack. No, I'm just kidding. I, Aaron Sorkin, if you're, I know you're not listening, but um, I am we a don't, fan. We of don't your know work. that. 
Aaron Sorkin. So, I mean, maybe this is the opportunity to talk to praise Aaron Sorkin then. I think Aaron Sorkin's great. I mean, even the ones that people uh, think lesser of, um, I kind of enjoyed. Studio 60, uh, Newsroom. Studio 60, I thought, so... um, well, and not to mention like the American president. American president's great. Uh, Molly's game. Um, he didn't he write the script for the Social Network? Mm, yes, I believe so. Yeah, I know he wrote the script for the Jobs movie with Michael Fassbender. Right. I. I mean. Yeah that that was every, every hey look we all get a miss sometimes. Um, but I th- um so and the West Wing. I mean, well, geez. Yeah. Um. You know, so, and this was when I was in the play, I was so excited that I got to do, like, Sorkin dialogue. Like, I got to sound smart. Yeah, and this was allegedly the first time where where there was the the Sorkin... the walk, the, the and, walk talk. and talk, the uh, the signature move for a Sorkin piece, where they you know people are, yeah. are walking down a hallway and talking at each other really fast and passionately, and uh, I brings up a, um, a a story from my past. I was uh, working on some TV show like I don't know eight years ago or something, and I was. Uh, like pitching an idea for something in there's some show I was working on some stupid reality show that like does not deserve a passionate hallway walk and talk. And I was like with our like executive <laughs> producer and I was trying to explain why this one thing would be a good idea. And like, as I was like passionately talking about it, I got really into it. And then I just said at the end of it, I feel like I'm in an Aaron Sorkin script right now. And then I walked into a wall. <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> oh my yeah kind of uh <laughs> what, didn't... sorkin slash zucker brothers yeah, exactly <laughs> zucker from well yeah i mean i may as well have like slipped on a banana peel or something it was comical <laughs> it's a beautiful day yeah. today <laughs> um so speaking of seinfeld yeah michael oh michael my god this is a um, seinfeld heavy episode so uh yeah i mean and then of course everything culminates in the final courtroom scene with the famous you can't handle the truth line which is potentially oh, yeah. the most parodied line in cinematic history it is on the. It is number twenty nine on the top mm-hmm. one hundred like quoted lines for movies. So, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's it's great. It's effective, and it's like <coughs> you could. Wa- I mean, watching that movie now, you know, twenty mm-hmm. thirty years, twenty five thirty years later, it still has like such a huge impact, even though you know it's coming. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I haven't. It, it, so, truth be told, I have not watched the movie in over a decade. Oh, really? Because, so okay. Um, once I knew I was going to be doing the play, which would have been fall two thousand eight, um, or no, like spring two thousand eight actually was when the director it was a theater group that i was working with in new jersey in uh rawway new jersey so alliance repertory theater and um you know was working with the director who i um you know who i knew and i i you know had was friends with um michael driscoll 
Shout out Michael Driscoll. Mike. Well, Mike, Mike, poor went out for Michael oh. Driscoll because Michael Driscoll passed away this last. This I was past afraid spring. you were going to say poor went um, out. That's a bummer. Yeah, no, it was, you know, um, unexpected. And I hadn't seen him in years. We were kind of connected on social media and the social network. You know, it, he was, he was <laughs> by Aaron Sorkin. Um, he was one of those, you know, he's, he was one of those guys, like he just, he, that's what he lived for was, um, theater. And I had done a few shows with him. And when he said he was doing a few good men, I was just like, I, like I'm in, I like whatever. And it's not like I, I didn't have to audition. I auditioned, but he pretty much told me I was going to be playing Sam. And as soon as I knew I was going to be acting in this play, I didn't want any of the movie in my head any more than it already would be. Cause it's one of my, it's, I mean, it, like might not be top 10 for me. It's top 20. It's, it's a movie that I definitely have seen a lot. And I, it, it's, so it's always going to be somewhere in the back of my head, but you know, I didn't want to just do a Kevin Pollack impersonation. Right. And it, it it's, it's really hard to do it because he nailed the role, but I didn't, so I didn't watch the movie and then we did the show and I think I felt disappointed in my performance and I kind of felt like the production could have been better. I mean, it was really good. Like we had um, like the guy playing Jessup was awesome. Like it was an awesome cast to work with. I feel um, like uh, in fact, just... uh, one of the guys from the uh, trilogy podcast um, is was played Kathy. Oh no way! Yeah, Scott Cagney. That's very cool. Shout out Scott Cagney. Shout out to Scott Cagney. Yeah, no, but um, you know, we I, we had a great like we had a great cast. Um, by the way, just I really just loved real working quickly, with. It's got to be so hard to play Jessup. Like, how do you not have it's... him in your head? Seriously. Well, therein lies the question. Therein lies why I never... Well, how well, do you not have him in the audience's head? Well, yeah, absolutely. How do you... I mean, this is... I mean, okay, so Tom... I mean, it's 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 like one of probably the, the iconic Tom Cruise movies, but it's not like Tom Cruise isn't doing a Tom Cruise performance. No, I, I mean, I, I think that he's a, a... You know, it's a likable character, but there's no like signature, I don't know, vibe to him. You know, whereas Jessup has a vibe I mean, to him for sure. Well, yes, yes, and it's, I, it's, yeah, exactly. So it's got to be impossible to not have that in your head and not feel like, well, how else do you do it? Which was the reason why I never thought I would ever be able to like direct this mm -hmm. play. You know, much less. I I don't think I would have ever thought of it as a high school play, um, and probably wouldn't have if I also hadn't kind of come up with a solution for the you know the the, the Jack Nicholson problem. You know, the yeah. Jack Nicholson challenge. Yeah, no kidding. Um, yeah. So, I, I mean, uh, do you want me to go into it or? Uh, yeah, sure. 
I, I yeah, I didn't know if if we had anything. No, more I mean to we've gone over we we've gone over into... the plot. I mean, uh, I'll just wrap things up by saying like as soon as he yeah. says like I ordered the coat, he admits to ordering the coat red. Then uh, yeah, Jack Kevin Bacon's character, who has been you know very good prosecutor. You know he you can tell yeah. that he is the prosecutor because that's what he was assigned to do, and all of the evidence was in his favor up until that very moment. And, you know, he yeah. was very sure of himself the entire time that he was in the right. But mm-hmm. as soon as that happened, he was like, I, that's it. We're well, done here. He's, he's a professional. Yeah. He's not, he's, he's, you know, like, like at one point, you know, um, he says like, you know, I represent the people without passion. Yeah. Like I, I am here to. I am doing my and job. And I thought he was and very good. Exactly. I thought he was very good because I feel like, especially oh, yeah. around that time, you know, Kevin Bacon was, I don't know, never really always the best guy. I'm sure you can tell me one thing that he was in where he was. Well, I mean, I, I, so JFK, um, Kevin Bacon. I thought Kevin Bacon in JFK and he had like a supporting role, but I felt like it was really the first time that I had seen him not just do like Kevin Bacon, like, like she's having comedy, a baby, like she's yeah. having a baby. He said, right. she said Kevin Bacon or like Footloose or Quicksilver. Or I don't anything else that he did in the eighties. But, um, I thought I was like in JFK. I was like, Oh man, I was like, Kevin Bacon is a good, like he just, he played this like hustler who happened to get involved with, uh, you know, the characters played by Tommy mm-hmm. Lee Jones and um, and then, like, Lee Harvey Oswald. So, uh, but Kevin Bacon was... Uh, I, that was, I think, the movie that really turned me around on him, you know, on his acting. And then, right, in A Few Good Men, he really gives a strong performance. But w- would you consider his performance to be the best in the movie? Ooh, that's a good question. Um... I mean, I feel like any answer to that would be a little tainted just because Jack Nicholson's role specifically in that movie is so iconic. Um, But if you kind of block that out, I'd say it was a role that um, I was maybe moved by more than some of the other ones. Uh, Tom Cruise, Demi Moore, um, Kevin Pollack, I feel like I was always feeling the same way about them, but it was Kevin mm-hmm. Bacon's character where I was just like, there was a shift in me where like, right when it goes to him after he says, I order the code red and everything, you're just like, oh my God, please just be a good person. And he is, and he does absolutely the right thing. And, you know, I had more of an so emotional you, reaction. But you had some- What's up? You had some doubt in your mind, though, that he was going to do the well, right thing? Well, I mean, I think that a lot of it has to do with how I view a lot of Kevin Bacon roles. And I think that also he just has a look to mm. him and a kind of a swagger to him throughout the movie where you're just like, hmm, I could see him just being a real ass. But uh, I think that that's what helps it, you know, when there is that turn where you're just like, yeah. Okay. You know, I get it. He certainly felt like he was in the right. He was doing his job, and all of the evidence 
pointed in that direction. Yeah. So why should he have felt any differently? And he also, yeah. you know, outside of the courtroom and everything, when he had his interactions with Kathy, you know, he was he was cordial. He, you know, wasn't trying to be an ass at all. He was trying to say like, hey, you can get a really good plea with this. I mean, he does say to him at one point, I mean, at least in the play, he said, he does say to him like, look, I'm your yeah. friend. He meets him at mm-hmm. the bar. I, they're playing some UB40 at the bar. There was a lot of UB40 in this movie. Maybe two two t- instances of UB40? Really? I thought it was Dan, just in the, in the bar. It's been 10 years since you've seen this movie. I just watched it the other day. There are at least two times when UB40 comes on. <laughs> oh, no kidding. I don't know. Maybe you got the special edition with like extra UB40. Well, as we've, I don't know. As we've discovered on the last episode, I apparently only watch director's cuts and never realize it. So... <laughs> That's <laughs> you, the director's got the only thing that's different is it's all yeah, UB40 they, music. Yeah, it's, and it's for, so it was originally Rat in the Kitchen plays. Yeah, with it got it got switched and, all to Tangerine Dream for the theatrical release, but it was originally UB40. <laughs> That'll make sense if you listen to the last episode. And 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 also to provide some context, um, we're also referencing my being a fan of the oh, band UB40. Dan is a huge fan of UB40. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I don't know. I think that's been meant. I think when we did Speed, we talked about that. When we, sorry, covered the movie Speed. Um, <laughs> so, uh, and also if it's the first time listening, Dan and I are brothers. Dan is like five, six years <laughs> my senior and I... Five, Five and a half years my senior. Yeah. And uh, growing up, I thought that it was, I thought that everybody listened to UB40. And I just thought that it was such a normal thing. <laughs> Little did I know, this was a very unique thing for our family that we were just all always listening to UB40. <laughs> Look, you know what? It was like, there was just for, for a long time, and I, I listen to them every now and again. Now, not, you know, it's, it's, I don't have the same connection to it now um but like for a long time it was just like you know they just they made music that just made me happy and you know what dan to that i salute you with my glass of red red wine that i'm drinking right now fyi for your information (laughs) oh oh, he really is no kidding Uh, so back to what we were talking about so um yeah i think kevin bacon was really awesome in this movie i mean everybody was great but like uh, he had the best turn. Well, I mean, Tom Cruise did have a really good turn also because he was kind of going along, just doing his lazy lawyering. What? And we should not neglect to mention, though, that that this role, and this is as it is written in the play, Daddy Issues. That's right. Yes, his father is like a famous military attorney. Civil... Well, no, a famous civil oh, rights, civil rights lawyer. lawyer. He's a famous civil rights lawyer. Yeah. Um, yeah he so they reference at Jessup references uh, tells Kendrick when he meets Kathy that that Kathy's father had was involved in a lawsuit against the Madison County um, Board of Education. Oh, that's or right. Ma- or Madison. That's right. Like, yeah, um, Madison County, Alabama, Mm -hmm. like, and we're talking since, let's see, the play was written and it it premiered in 89. So, like, we're talking, you know, not just a civil rights lawyer, but civil rights lawyer during the civil rights Mm -hmm. movement. Um, 
it, so he, oh, oh, and this is also, oh, yeah, um, they wanted to say the Lord's Prayer in school and and that, like, Lionel Caffey, Danny Caffey's father, um, wins the lawsuit that, you know, I think in front, maybe in front of the Supreme Court, that rules that, you know, they, they can't say the, the Lord's Prayer in public schools. And Jessup basically does it to like needle oh, yeah. Kendrick in the meeting when yeah when they're all meeting and then Kendrick basically is a, um, a neo Nazi and basically says as yeah. much like he has a line I don't like you people and he pretty much directs it at Sam right <laughs> that yeah which yeah um, that's fun to do in a high school play yeah no uh, kidding. Yeah, so and so going back um, to that. Yeah. Uh so last spring so I guess the 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 background here is I started teaching at this school 2 years ago and at the end of my first year the head of the theater department who's also um language arts teacher asked me if I'd be interested in directing the school's fall play. Each year they do three shows. It's a straight play in the fall, a student directed usually a comedy in the oh, that's in cool. the winter and then there's the spring musical. Yeah, it's an awesome program. Um like I say it every year but like I'm lucky to be a no, part of great. it and I'm lucky that he had invited like I was in, I I was asked to do this based on the fact that like I had a bachelor's degree in theater and had lived in New York and did theater. So there was a lot of Right. Faith. And also, I know that this doesn't qualify you to direct high school plays, but when you were in high school, you were in all of the plays and not just like a side character. You were usually a lead character. Past my freshman yeah. year. Yeah. My freshman year, I had I had a couple of featured roles. Um, but yeah. And I, I directed um, back when, when I was living back east, I directed a few shows at a middle school out in New Jersey that were, uh, you know, I, I mean, like I never really had much training in directing, but I feel like if it's a, if it's the type of show where when I, when I read it, I just kind of have a really clear vision of it. That's not based on any, really anything else. Well, yeah. I mean, you also directed, uh, the, the play Hamlet two. Not the movie. Hamilton. I direct, that was the first play. Uh, I directed. Yeah, that was just a a local production. I mean, you kind of got the whole thing going with not yeah, not by no, yourself. Was, not by yourself. Yeah. You. I had a ton of energy and a ton of support, and um, but yeah, we yeah produced that at the Temple Emmanuel. Yeah, that was the the venue, Jersey. but you know, you. But Hamlet too, yeah, Ham. Uh, but yeah, that was the first, and be, because I read that play, and I was just like, my God, I know exactly how I would do this, and you know, it's like the reality of it is, it's never, or I should, I shouldn't say it's never, but it's not like it's exactly what you picture, but it, it almost be, it kind of becomes mm-hmm. it, and you know, it. Yeah, casting is always, you know, casting is often such a big challenge because, you know, especially when you're doing like community theater, school theater. And I mean, the first musical I directed was Fame. Oh, yeah. And I directed this at this, at 
at a middle school in a wealthier area in New Jersey, like upper middle slash upper class, um, or, you know, upper middle. Um, and like, Fame has a ton of characters who are not white. Mm -hmm. We didn't have any kids auditioning for the plays who weren't mm -hmm. white. So um, I, you know, just one character became, uh, you know, the character who has a rap and everything. I had this kid who could break dance and I was just like, okay, you're in this role and you're going to be Italian. And now your name is like Tony DiGiorno. And <laughs> it was like, it's not it's Tony DiGiorno. DiGiorno. Um, so, um, you know, flash forward to uh, last year, I directed Neil Simon's play fools. Mm -hmm. That was the first thing I did there. And, uh, you know, it was such an amazing experience. And actually, truth be told, this podcast was born out of that oh, was it really? because, well, because other than like just kind of writing on the side, I really didn't have a creative outlet. I really haven't had like a creative outlet short. I mean, in teaching and designing lessons, there's creativity and all that. But, um, you know, more of like a performance creative outlet. And, you know, ever since I had started listening to podcasts, which would probably be like yours. Um, I'm so sorry. Because I think I was, I was, well, between yours and there's, and Big Kev's oh. Geek Stuff, it probably, the, and which was actually the first podcast I was ever oh, on. Right. Yeah. Was Big Kev's Geek Stuff, uh, circa like 2006. Um, but anyway, you know, I never really thought like, oh, this is an idea that's something like, you know, I don't know, maybe interesting or something that like I could see myself like, you know, having a, a com interesting conversation about. But you just um, said, I just want to talk about maybe not even talk about, but say the words Lorenzo's oil once a week. And I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to well, find so a way. many. Yeah, I really don't know how I'm going to do it this week. Um, but it, 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 so I directed the play last year and it was like after the play, I had that like, OK, well, I'm not directing a play for another year. So that was when, you know, kind of around that time when we we spoke and started started this thing up. Thirty yeah, seven. Thirty seven. Yeah. ago. Yeah. Yeah. So um and of course, I started reading plays and thinking about what I was going to do, um, you know, for this fall, because I'm like, well, now I have a lot of time and I can really plan and I can be ready and I can, you know, I know what resources I have. I have a good sense of the talent pool. And so I just started reading plays and finding a good play to do at a high school these days that's going to like get people excited is really difficult because it's either you're for me it's like okay there's a play like let's say uh rumors by neil simon which is about like i think three or four different middle-aged couples living on like the upper east side of new york city in the late 1980s and like this dinner party and i i i read that play and i was just like I feel like if I went and saw high school kids doing this, I would be distracted by the fact that they have absolutely none of the life experience, yeah. which <laughs> granted a few good men <laughs> isn't quite the exception, but 
Uh, yeah. There's a new show on Amazon called Modern Love, and it's like little anthology. It's like an anthology series. Each episode is a different moment in time for like a relationship, and uh, one of the episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, which fe- which features um, John Slattery and Tina Fey. Uh, their son is in a production of like all teenagers in Glen Gary, Glen Ross, and oh yeah. my god, oh my god! So one of the things, one of the ideas I toyed around with, <laughs> I bought a copy of Glen Gary, Glen Ross, and was going to adapt it so that all of the profanity was replaced. I was going to do basically like the, uh, like edited for television, Glengarry <laughs> Glenn Ross, like, and call it Glengarry Glenn Ross Jr. Cause there's a whole line of like the junior version of musicals, okay. like you know, into the woods junior. And it's like, yeah, we take out all the rough stuff and we simplify it so that kids can do it. So I, I totally thought about adapting Glengarry Glenn Ross into Glengarry Glenn Ross Jr. So that would be I super funny. Amused. Yeah, I gotta watch it's, this episode. You'll <laughs> enjoy show. that very much. Um, yeah. So anyway, finding but that's the thing is like you find yourself wanting to do that, and then you like you read about high schools in New Jersey doing Alien right. for their like fall play, and it's like, well, like man, what what can I what can I do? <laughs> like what can I do that's that. And I, I also had some kids like, you know, I've got some, you know, just really talented kids that I wanted to find really good roles for. I didn't want to keep going. And so many of the the fallbacks, so many of the, you know, the, the kind of traditional high school plays really, and I mean like in the past 15 years, have become very dated. Mm. And like even a play like Arsenic and Old Lace, which I, I directed... Um, I, that was the last play I directed at that. No, it wasn't the last play I directed at that middle school. Um, it, I, I directed it at that middle school and I love it. And it's a great play, but I'm like, Oh God, like it's like the female the like one of the, like the love interest is just, she's like just the love interest. And it's so frustrating. And I mean, I know what you're thinking. So you chose a play that has that has 14 men and, and one woman in it. Um, so it was last spring that I, uh, you know, uh, Mike Driscoll passed away and I heard about that and, you know, thought about A Few Good Men, which was it was the last play I did with him. It was the last play I did in general. Um, so I kind of thought about that and I was like, oh, damn, it's too bad. Like, oh, I could never direct that. I could probably never do it at the high school. And then I just kind of started thinking. I was like, well, what's what what's stopping me? Yeah. For, like, why wouldn't I do this show? And I kind of started thinking about it and I was like, okay, it's, it's the Jessup challenge. It's the Jack Nicholson Mm -hmm. challenge. It's the, how do you get the audience to not be thinking of Jack Nicholson and not be expecting you to do, you can't handle the truth exactly like Jack Nicholson. And I thought to myself, well, what if Jessup was a woman? If you, if you have Jessup, not, like, because if you have Jessup as a man, I feel like you're that's you 
you run the risk of the audience is expecting Jack Nicholson. But I don't think when the audience see, I mean, it's not like, uh, you know, a woman couldn't do a Jack Nicholson performance, but I thought about this character and I was like, okay, well, all right, but we don't just, you know, gender swap for the sake of doing it. So what, like, how could this work? How could this character be believable? Uh, um, and I thought to myself, well, okay, so let's say, first of all, you you bump up the setting. The, the play was originally set in 1986. Um, I'm like, okay, what about 1996? And then you think to yourself, like, okay, so there's definitely a, you know, much more, you know, much more female uh, enlistment and more, you know, women off- as officers and you start and i started to think like okay all right like so that aspect could work and then it's like all right so what about like the code like the code red why why would she order the code red and um last late last spring heard an interview um with julia mm. louis dreyfus on pod save america and uh, she was talking about Veep and talking about the Selena Kyle and how Selena Kyle, not That's Selena Kyle. Kyle, Selena Meyer, Selena Kyle's Catwoman. <laughs> sorry. Um, congratulations, Zoe. For a Kravitz. second, I was like, um, that doesn't sound right. Why doesn't that sound right? No, no, I know, I know, Selena Meyer. So she was talking about playing the character on Veep and like how, because they were talking about this moment in the last season where she kind of tells another female candidate to man right. up. And she uses this, that phrase, man up. And she talks about how, and they've established, they, you know, they establish in the series that, you know, as a, as a child, she was not like, you know, her, her parents, her father wanted a boy. And it, it, she was how this character was kind of raised to, you know, to kind of like dislike weakness. Mm-hmm. And, and to like avoid, try to avoid looking weak. And, you know, in order, because also she's a woman in a man's, in this man's world of politics, she's trying to, you know, um, you know, crash the boys club. So how do you do that? And and I, and she, Julia Louis-Dreyfus has talked about, you know, how you kind of have to be better at the men, better than the men at, everything including being a misogynist and so whereas she you know can like you know kind of gives has that permission has that license to say you know man up to a woman on the debate stage whereas you know uh and, and you know she doesn't totally like you know lose everything from that so hearing that interview really inspired me and made me think about um, how I would direct a uh, you know young lady, young woman as as Jessup and kind of like all right, let's say you know she's born, she's um, you know too young to have served in Vietnam, but um, maybe you know her you know maybe someone in her family did um, you know or maybe she and and she kind of always feels like she missed out on on something and 
you know, what's, what's driving her because ultimately the way that she describes order, like why she orders the code red, she doesn't transfer Santiago because she's like, no, he's a weak link. Like, you know, we have to train him. He's a Marine. We have to train him. He needs to man up. Um, which she doesn't say that exactly, but she says, um, you know, what would, what are we saying if we just transfer him? So I directed the, uh, the, the actress playing Jessup to be like that would be maternal and you don't want you don't you can't have anyone view you as weak i have her doing the role very soft spoken because i was like the stereotypical excuse of well we can't have a female president because women are emotional and mm-hmm. blah 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 yada 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 um and oh, Julia Louis Dreyfus is another Seinfeld tie. Holy cow! Um, so the so kind of having her play Jessup as just very calm, cool, and collected, almost always, and you know, kind of like laughing things mm-hmm. off. And saying, like, you know, I am not going to lose my composure no matter what. And I'm not going to baby Santiago. Like, we're going to train him. We're going to train the lad, she says. And, um, yeah, you know, so she ends up ordering the Code Red. And she gives this explanation on, on the stand um, about how... You know, it's it's very, you know, it it can come across maybe a little MAGA because she goes like, you know, we live in a country that has walls, though she doesn't mean it. She doesn't mean it in the same way. She means it as, you know, we have borders and we have and there are and at that time were enemies. And so she she gives, you know, this justification and she's like, look, what do you do when you have someone who signs up to be a Marine? It's like our job is to train Marines like, you know, they come to us for training. So it's like when you're supposed to train someone who's weak, you do what you need to do to train right. them. And yeah. Yeah. We know that at Guantanamo Bay, we do what we, we, do need, what we to need to do. To do. <laughs> um, but... So, like, her giving this justification, and she, I mean, you know, we'll see where the performance is in two weeks when we open. But, like, you know, at first I really had not, I bit like, my one thing is, like, do not shout, you can't handle the truth. I wanted her to laugh. I wanted her to look at Kathy and laugh and just be like, you, can't handle the truth and it it just so happens and you know it's like this is you know with theater you you have to kind of you can't go against the tide so and the scene has been building nicely to her kind of shouting that you can't handle the truth and now we kind of tried something different at our rehearsal Mm -hmm. tonight um not 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 with her shouting you can't handle the truth but you know it's like the whole thing is She's on the witness stand. She's got this whole monologue. And in the movie, when Nicholson does it, you know, they're cutting away during it. There's close-ups. There's wide shots. You know, um, there's reaction shots. You know, you don't have that luxury in the play. So she's been doing a great job of, like, she's been doing it from the chair. And 
and doing, you know, getting the, like, leaning out and looking over at where Weinberg is for the, like, you, Lieutenant Weinberg. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's more thinly veiled anti-Semitism. Uh, so we we kind of tried this thing where it's like, okay, it's theater. Like, what if we have a little shift in lighting and you get up for this? And I have her addressing, it's almost it was slightly inspired by um, going back to JFK, like kind of Kevin Costner's, um, you know, big courtroom speech with, um, you know, his kind of his closing statement in JFK. Um, I have her addressing the audience at certain points, like when she was like, you know, when she says, you you want me on that wall, right. you need me on that wall. Um, you know, I have her looking at the audience. I have her looking at the audience when, when she's like, you know... Um, when she says we live in a world that has walls and, and they need to be guarded by people mm-hmm. with guns. And it's like, you know, you can agree with her or disagree with her, but she really, like I told her, I was like, you really have to th- believe that you're right. And we want the audience to kind of have a moment where they think, huh, she's got a point. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's it's kind of. I, I mean, I look. I don't know. It, it, I'm sure people are going to come see it, and and you know, I I, I hope people come see it, and I, and I'm sure that they're going to you know think Jack Nicholson, and I mean that's all. That's the first thing anyone says when you tell them you're doing this play is you can't handle right. the truth. Yeah. And and my reaction is usually like, yeah. Well, other lines. I mean, uh-huh. Aaron Sorkin. Because I know you're listening, you know, book it, book your ticket to Seattle. Check it out. Um, yeah, and you, it, Mr. Sorkin, if you're interested in in a production or in a in a in a few tickets, some free tickets, um, you can email us at runechildhoodspod at gmail dot com. I think he can afford a few tickets. <laughs> I yeah what. Aaron Sorkin's going to come and we're going to be like, uh, do you have a reservation? Okay, because with reservations, it's 10, but at the door, it's 15. Oh, you wrote the play? Okay, well, we'll give you the, the reservation price. Um, the, the Sorkin like, discount. Yeah, no. I, no, I think it sounds... It, it, it would totally be waiting, it would be waiting yeah. for government. Oh my God, you should, you should totally put um, a, uh, on, in the front row right, right there, just a little sign on a chair that says, like, reserve for Aaron Sorkin. Oh yeah, no, because that wouldn't freak out the high school kids. <laughs> but um, so anyway, I'm sorry. I want to, I, if I may, um, I can. You know, I'd like to talk a little bit more because I don't know how many of our listeners are going to make it to the show. <laughs> but yeah, um, but why don't we talk a little bit about what we typically do on the show? And oh yes, and bring up uh, yeah. what we would do. If we were to do something with it now, I know that you uh, are you are doing something with well, it. Well, that's what I'm doing. You're that's doing what I'm talking about. With it. So, I mean, so so then, John, I, I guess, all right. In a in a re- so, if we were casting, like, if we were doing Hollywood casting, I, so I will do it from my perspective. Okay. I will do it like with the same casting that I have currently. I'm going to um, see, I didn't do this. So I'm going to quickly write a few things down. Okay. So I, I, I'll, do you want me to Yeah, go ahead. get started while you're doing that? So, okay. Um, 
and I guess it was it was interesting because I was I was actually really trying to think of who um, who I would have seen in, in as Jessup back in 1992 and I was just thinking about all the people like Angelica Houston, mm-hmm. Kathleen Turner, Glenn Close um that were just a few few of the names Angela Bassett, maybe oh, Angela yeah. Bassett like actually Angela Bassett now. <laughs> so if I was going to do it now, um I, who would I cast as Jessup? Uh I Angela Bassett. <laughs> I mean mm-hmm. God, she's amazing. Um, Wasn't as, she in the latest Mission Impossible movie? I, I'm pretty sure she yeah. was, yeah. So, um, I mean, as Kathy, uh, I'd be interested to see like Zac Efron do it. Yeah, I mean, in, I think that that's within his yeah. wheelhouse. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I like, I like, I haven't really given this a whole lot of thought for uh you know who you'd cast it with t- today but um Galloway uh that's Joe. Yeah, Demi Joe Moore. Galloway. Yeah. I mean, I could see that I mean Zoe Kravitz uh it, you know it would be a different role for her but I feel like she's kind of like the around you know the right age mm-hmm. and um has got a great energy for it. So uh, that's one direction you could go. I mean, I feel like some obvious choices like Emma Stone, Scarlett Johansson. The Scarlett Johansson might God, would she be a little old for that part. No, I don't think so, because that role no. could be, you know. No. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she's supposed to be, you know, young, but I mean, probably around like, you know, 30. Um, but, you know, so like, yeah, Emma Stone, Scarlett Johansson, that's kind of the the usuals. Um for that, um, I mean, Weinberg, who'd you go for Weinberg? Like Jonah Hill, Seth Rogen? Uh, I'd probably go, and I think I've mentioned him on this podcast before, but John Bass. Oh, you have mentioned him before. Oh, remind me, I, why, where do I know him from? I don't know where you would know him from. He was in the like Baywatch remake, um, He's just like, he's been showing up in a few things here and there, and he's yeah. been really impressive for me. Okay. Yeah. Um, Sounds good. Um, yeah. I'm trying, you know what actually would be, it, what would be interesting? So, and I don't think this would work, but a, a like James Franco as Kathy and Seth Rogen as <laughs> Weinberg. <laughs> And then, no, but I'm thinking about like Paul Rudd as Jack Ross. Um, like, I, I, they're all capable of. I mean, I think at this point, like everyone from that crew has done like some type of a, at least somewhat like dramatic right. performance. Yeah, no, it's true. So, um, I, that would that would kind of be an interesting. I would be interested. I would be interested in Adam McKay directing. Oh, he's so good. <laughs> he's great. I mean, I I kind of feel like, and and I feel like Adam McKay directing it would be because he does so many interesting things in his films that you know kind of like break reality a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like he would definitely make it a different film than Rob Reiner. Oh yeah. 
You know what I would actually be really interested in seeing it as? And so interestingly, NBC was going to do a, like one of those like live theater things. Were they really? You know, like, like they do. And it was going to be Alec Baldwin as Jessup. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, Let's see, that's, that would be... <sighs> I guess it just fell apart, but if you look at if you look up a few good men on IMDb, it'll like it'll have one listed with Alec. I Baldwin. feel like he's too similar in a lot of ways to Nicholson. Well, that's why I'm saying you gotta cast a woman. Like let's let's yeah. like get get a female actress in there. Well, uh, in the Google some female actresses. I, I jotted John. yeah, I jotted down a uh, a few names. I didn't put down anybody for Kathy. But for uh, Jessup, I put Keith Kiefer Sutherland. Okay, so yeah. have him come back. Wow, uh, <laughs> yes, and, uh, I like that. Kind of go into the role that he was oh. made to play. Uh, for Joe, what? You, what? Whoa, 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 whoa! Sorry, I, I, my Markinson, Brian Cranston. Ooh, very nice. I mean, I like him, and I'd put him in anything. Um, for- well, yeah, because I, I mean, he'd also be a great Jessup. But I'm like, if you go Kiefer Sutherland as Jessup, Brian Cranston as um, as Markinson, mm-hmm. that works for me. So I have for uh, for Joe uh, Joe Galloway, I have Joseph Gordon Levitt for uh, <laughs> wait what for Joe Galloway or Kathy? No, for Joe Galloway. Why does it have to be a woman? Oh, I guess. Yeah. I guess. Well, all right. Uh, I can. I'll answer that question in a moment. <laughs> okay. Uh, for Jack, I thought Adam Scott. Oh yeah, he'd be a good Kathy too. Um, yeah. I don't know. Um, Chris Pratt. He could play both roles. Uh, and then for um, Kendrick, I put Channing Tatum. good casting <laughs> i actually i've i've uh kendrick is um i've got a girl playing kendrick oh nice too. i i actually i have um so i have women cast in the following roles that are not traditionally women um and that's uh kendrick dawson uh judge randolph well, i forget the name of the actor who plays him in the movie but i definitely i he's in a lot of things um oh you know who should be kendrick Anna Kendrick. Oh, Anna Kendrick is Kendrick. Perfect. <laughs> yes. Anna Kendrick would make a great Joe. Anna Kendrick would make a good Kathy. Anna Kendrick would make a good Kathy. Yeah. I kinda I like her as the up to so anyway, here's why why Joe why that so why I why I was dead set on Kathy Sam and Joe being as written. So mm-hmm. first of all, there are several references to Joe being a woman. Um, uh, and it also like, I also, so for me, I also felt like, okay, so if I'm, if Jessup's a woman and we're kind of making this a little bit about like, you know, um, feminism, because one of the, one of the like early on discussions I had with the girl playing Joe was kind of like, you look up to Jessup. I'm like, and like Jessup is someone that you would have admired up mm-hmm. until this point. Right. And, you know, because we have it like 1996, we have it like, you know, she is the, the highest, you know, ranking, like fastest rising female officer in, in the Marines. Mm-hmm. So, uh, 
we we kind of had it where it's like okay so now you have this person who you had looked up to but now that you actually know more about them you they it's so it's like it's kind of like whereas whereas Jessup becomes you know so determined to stifle weakness that she you know that you know that's how she gets where she is right. you have Joe who who is compassionate and is you know like justice she's so like she says this is in the interest of justice and I felt like having because that was one thing with with because with Joe being the only woman in the show it also points out a lot of the misogyny it shows you a lot of the misogyny that's um you know, I mean, not just in the armed forces, but everywhere, pretty much. And I that was one thing I was like, am I risking that by having Jessup also be female? And I just was like, like, no, it actually adds to it because it it's, you know, what does it mean to be a to be good and then like you know what does it mean to be a good man is it a man who's who's not weak or is it a man who's compassionate like who's the good who are the good men and like how few are they right so it's like you know there's there's you know dawson who you know dawson and downey who are not bad people but they're marines and marines have to follow orders but yet they've killed someone and it's kind of like, you know, they have a lot of trouble seeing what, what the problem is. Um, and I've got, I've got an awesome actress playing, uh, playing Dawson. Um, Downey I have as, as written. Um, Downey, you yeah. just chose your, uh, your location scout. For the play, <laughs> well, um, actually, the, the, it was just the person Downey. who said you're going to be doing it in the theater, and you're just like, you're my Downey. <laughs> well, Tradition the plays Downey is also he's also the son of the head of the theater department, which is not why he's playing Downey. Why it's not why he's in the play. He's he's very good, but so he kind of yeah, what well, is part of the production? He was part of the he did you know the production crew last year, but he's really very good, and he's bringing a lot of you know like really nice nuance to Downey and I think really like Downey is one of the characters that the, that I you know you you want your audience to really ha feel for him um cuz Downey is just following what Dawson does right pretty like and and time. all Downey wants to do is go back to being you know in the Marines well, and because Down Downey likes the marine, Downey likes the marine life because it's it's simple, it's routine. Right. It it's you know Dawson is more about like you know she talks about living life like living by a code mm -hmm. and having a code and joining the Marines because she wanted that and you know it's it's similar for Downey but I think for her it's more of a you know, like I want to stand for something. Right. And for him, it's, I, I want, you know, something where this is what's required of me and by, and I can do a good job at right. this. He's not a scholar. So, yeah. Um, 
yeah so uh, um but yeah i don't know john i yeah. don't know what i was gonna say <laughs> so my idea for a a life beyond uh the stage and dvd and blu-ray is uh a series that features mm-hmm. each season features a different um each season features a different uh I guess, legal case within the military system. And Mm -hmm. I I suppose JAG, which I'd never seen, probably dealt with that a little bit. But uh, what? It's more like each episode is like a a little thing. But this would be... We should should have grandma on. I think she watches JAG. Oh, yeah? I don't think that's a good idea. But uh, we can... <laughs> I don't think that we ever need to have somebody on to talk about Jag. That's okay. Yeah, but Grandma would be very entertaining. <laughs> so, um, awesome. yeah, so like each season would focus on a different case. Uh, it could be one that's like based on a true story. Um, yeah. Yeah. And they could take place throughout any period in history. Um, it wouldn't so like far, like it sounds like a like Fargo, Fargo style. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's not the only show like American Horror Story. You know. Yeah, it's like that where it's, you know, each season will kind of have a different vibe to it. Um, yeah, I think that Fargo is a great example, although this would be less quirky. Well, and then there's so then there's also and this would not be the same thing. But so you have the American Crime Story, which like they did like the O.J. Simpson one, mm-hmm. which was which was which was good in so many ways including the ways it was bad. Uh, I was so entertained also by... Also starring Coop Gooding Jr., I, who was in A Few Good Men. Oh, yeah. Yes, that's right. That's right. Yes. Um, uh, so so, you, so the series would focus on military uh, court, like court-martial cases? Yeah. I mean, I feel like maybe the first season would be this particular scenario, uh, or maybe not at all. So would you have Sorkin be like, are you seeing Sorkin as being a part of this hypothetical I TV show? I wasn't seeing Sorkin as being part of it because I feel like when Sorkin is involved, it becomes a Sorkin thing and it has a vibe to it. You know, it has a mm-hmm. certain tone when it's, when Sorkin is involved. You have a different, you have a different like kind of uh you know, creative mind behind each season. Yeah, I mean... Maybe one season is like the Duplass brothers and it's like, you mm. know, it, it's more personal and it takes you away. Well, from... kind of, it, I, it depends on the case. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so, oh, so this is, I, sorry, I neglected to mention this, but, um, uh, earlier I referenced, you know, kind of how we were kind of trying to be as believable as possible. Uh, one of the other factors that went into producing this play was that a teacher who joined us last year, um, math teacher, uh, served in the Navy, mm-hmm. um, was, I believe, an engineer on a nuclear sub. Whoa. And, uh, you know, had a lot of experience and knew, a, um, you know, like just knew a lot of things and actually knows, uh, you know, is friendly with a jag lawyer uh female jag lawyer who at um you know tried a case where she had to um you know question a high-ranking officer 
and kind of does what Kathy does. And, you know, I mean, I don't think there was a code red involved, but like kind of got, you know, she needed to get jacked up before the courtroom with a jagged up. Well, you know, with a bottle of Mountain Dew code red. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So um, anyway, it's been awesome. Like, you know, he's been coming into rehearsals and, you know, showing the kids how to salute Mm -hmm. and like marching and um, you know, answering our, our questions. So that's been uh, that. Yeah. It's been really fun. Like, you know, it's a, it's challenging. It's incredibly challenging and it's definitely something unusual. Like we had to, it's rated PG 13. (laughs) um, Cause we're keeping, not not all of the not, not a lot of the profanity but we're keeping um uh, we're keeping some of it <laughs> um i'm I, I think i'm pushing it to the limit okay <laughs> but there's a couple of lines that jessup has in the last scene that i was like that i was i was like not until the end but i'm like by the time we get to the end i'm like i think she i think these lines need right, to stay right right the way that they are but um <laughs> yeah it's been a it, it's it's been a hell of a ride i kind of can't believe it's real like and that it's happening in a couple of weeks so well um, if anybody is in the seattle area or will be in the seattle area google it yeah uh november 7th through 9th and then uh 13th through 15th free admission for anyone any Free admission for Aaron Sorkin, free admission for veterans, um, you know, anyone currently in the service, um, free admission. Cool. So. So let's talk about um, what our next next episode is going to focus on. Yes. So our next episode is uh, another gem from the 90s, though not quite as Oscar nominated. Uh, <laughs> Probably a few it might probably get a few, and maybe an Oscar nod or two for I don't know, like costumes. <laughs> um, what we're talking about here: Sylvester Stallone, Wesley Snipes, Three Seashells, Demolition Man, Sandra Bullock, Sandra- Sandy Bullock mm-hmm. returns. Um, uh, Rob Schneider, <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. Dennis, Dennis Leary. Leary. Uh, yeah, Otho from Beetlejuice is in it. <laughs> That's that's right. That's right. Um, so anyway, yeah, we're going to be talking about Demolition yeah, Man. Yeah, I'm excited. That's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, that one is streaming yeah. on Hulu in case anybody wants to uh, refresh their memory or watch it for the first time before listening to the next episode. Um, yeah. Dan. Have fun. <laughs> uh, Dan, good luck with the rest of rehearsals. I know that we still have some... Thank we're you. still going to be recording before the show goes up, but... Uh, I think yes. it's really cool that you're yeah. doing a few good men and it's, uh, I'm great. I'm really glad that we had an opportunity to talk about it on the show, um, in advance. Well, thank you, John. Thank you. I, I, I appreciate the opportunity and I will keep y'all updated on how the show goes. And yeah, I, I will. That is a good journey, man. Good journey. Hello, I'm Jay Sherman, and this is Coming Attractions. Tonight, we'll be reviewing a few more good men, starring Jack Nicholson with co-stars Christian Slater and William Devane. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. I can handle the truth. The truth is you talk like me, you act like me. You don't have an original bone in your body. That's a freaking lie. 
Could the stenographer read that last part back? What am I, a freaking minor bird? Heh. <laughs>